Hey, TC, what time is it? It's Halloween, bruh! <laughs> it is time for a makeover. Hi, I'm TC. And I'm Siege. And we welcome you back to Movie Makeover, the podcast where we take the movies you love, think you love, guilty pleasures or downright hate, and give them a much-needed update. This week, we will be doing things a little bit differently. Um, we are doing our first-ever movie made-over sequel, Smackdown. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, this is where we compare two movies from a franchise and determine which version of the makeover did a better job over five rounds. This week's two titles are... 2000's Halloween H2O and 2018's Halloween. For the purpose of this podcast, can I recommend that we refer to Halloween H2O as H2O and 2018 as H40? Yes, okay, we can do that. Okay, all right. All right I feel like that'll be neater. Okay. <laughs> The 1978 classic horror film Halloween starring Jamie Lee Curtis is unique and it's been made over three different times. And for the purposes of this podcast, um, fortunately or unfortunately, <laughs> depending on who you are, the Rob Zombie films will be omitted from the conversations. They're not part of the original canon, and truthfully, I can't stomach them. So I disagree, but we wow! we're doing a podcast. We might need to turn <laughs> to that topic a conversation. <laughs> okay, so uh, the summary for Halloween H20, H2O, um, takes place 20 years after the events of Halloween 2. H2O picks up with Michael Myers discovering the whereabouts of his sister, Laurie Strode. Once thought to be dead, Lori is now the headmistress of a posh private school in North California. Still traumatized by the events of her youth, Lori must overcome her fear and battle the shape one last time in order to protect the life of her son, John, and escape, sorry, and escape a life of paranoia. Directed by Steve Miner and starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Josh Harnett, Michelle Williams, Adam Arkin, and LL Cool J. This post-scream era Horror Smash earned $55 million on a budget of $17 million. Not too shabby. But let's talk about Halloween 2018, or as I'm referring to it in this podcast, H40. Taking place 40 years after the events of Halloween 1, an aged Michael Myers breaks out of his asylum and re- returns to Haddonfield for one last bloody massacre. Lori, now a reclu- reclusive alcoholic, has prepared for his return her entire life and is anxious to fight the mysterious boogeyman who has suddenly reappeared to finish the job. Lori must depend on her estranged daughter and teenage granddaughter for help as she fights the shape one final time. Directed by David Gordon Green and starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, and Will Patton, this Me Too era gross a horror film grossed a staggering $225 million on a budget of $10 million. I did not know that. Bruh, this... Yeah, it cost less than H2O and made more money. (laughs) So, yeah, I remember, like, earlier they were like, um, this will be it. There'll be no more sequels. And seeing that amount of money, I am not. Surprised. Oh, it's already another one's already. I am not surprised. We are getting it already announced. Yeah. Okay, so um, now let's go into our previews. This is where we tell you what we thought about each movie when they first came out, our first impressions and preconceived notions going in. Uh, so I have to admit something. When you said Halloween H two O, I was thinking of Halloween Resurrection. Halloween Resurrection is the first one I saw. 
The uh, Busta Rhymes The Busta Rhymes entirely. Oh one. my goodness. <laughs> and I'm not saying that I preferred it. I'm just saying that when I started watching this one, I was like, oh, I've never seen H2O. Really? Exactly. Exactly. So it was, um, watching H2O was brand new for me. Um, I, again, the entire time I kept thinking about how I thought Resurrection, what I thought about Resurrection, because that's the one that does the reality, uh, reality TV. TV bit. So yeah. I really would be interested in seeing that one again. Um, but for the same this, yeah, yeah right? Um, but that was my reaction of watching this. This was my first time. And then for H40, I watched it in theaters when it came out last year, and I liked it. I had fun with it. Um, I liked what they took the story. I liked the retconning, all the references. Uh, it's really funny that H2O picks up from 2 and H40 picks up from 1. Well, the key difference there is that in one storyline, uh, Laurie Strode is Michael Myers' sister, and in the other one, she is not. Exactly. The sister storyline was thrown in in Halloween 2 on a whim by John Carpenter, who was... He got drunk one night and wrote the whole script because he just did it for obligation and a payday. Money! And he never liked the fact that Laurie Strode was the sister because it made the shape that's supposed to, like, strike at random something very specific to one person. Yeah, and we'll get into that, but I really do like that we pick up from one because it kind of makes Michael Myers back to menacing sure. in a way that... And like, well, let's just get into it. All right, so what's your first response? Well, first, first, I can tell you this, that I've, I don't remember a life without the Halloween movie, the original yeah. one with Michael Myers. <laughs> it's like a yearly thing. Like, people watch the Santa Claus every year at Christmas. <laughs> I watch Halloween every year. Great picture. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, so, I remember seeing H2O in theaters. I remember seeing the trailer and being excited for it. I was like, Jamie Lee Curtis was back. I knew that was a big deal, even though I didn't quite understand, like, that it had been so long since she returned to the franchise. I was very familiar with uh, Halloween 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6. Like, I was familiar with all of them, even though the last three are, you know, not as good. Um, <laughs> or Halloween 3, actually. I'm, I'm, Dude, it's all weird. <laughs> so I'm actually really excited at the fact that H2O picks up after 2 and that we're continuing this Laurie Strode storyline in H2O. And I remember just really liking it. I remember this movie being a ton of fun. It has, I mean, this is right after Scream came out and it screams Scream and Kevin Williamson throughout the entire film in a way that I think is just so much fun and I think, personally, other than the first one, that this might be the most rewatchable movie for me, as far as just, like, the fun I have while I watch it. So, that was my impressions of H2O. H40, I walked into H40, and you have to remember, H40 came out in the midst of the Brett Kavanaugh scandal. Absolutely. It actually did. Like, like literally <laughs> in the midst of it. So, the idea of Christine Blasey Ford, uh, like... Facing her attacker after 40 years, that mirroring the Laurie Strode storyline and Michael Myers, I just think that that was just kismet fate that worked out so well for being a reflection of art and life and things like that. Um, I thought that this movie takes itself more seriously than the first one. Um, I thought that um, there were things about it that I didn't quite like, but I was really on board with what 
they were trying to do and what they accomplished with it. So um, that, that was my first take on both of those films. All right, cool. Um, you want to give us the critics' response? Yeah, okay. So um, the critics' response, the way we're going to do it for this SmackDown is the movie that has the better critical ratings is going to win this round. So we actually don't really have much of a say here, but whatever. So um, H2O, IMDb gives it a score of 5.7 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 52%. And Roger Ebert, two out of four. So, pretty lackluster have... response. You know what? I actually, if you want to give me a yeah, second. Yeah, you know I always want to hear what Roger Ebert The reason said. why I didn't really include it is because Roger Ebert wasn't alive for the last one, so yeah. I didn't think it was a fair comparison. Um, but let me see real fast what he thought of H2O, because I'm curious as well. Half the movie takes place in exclusive private school, yet there's not a single shower in Michael. Um, I, I think... From what I'm gathering of just a quick glance over, um, he's just bored of it. He was oh, okay. just bored of the franchise. Okay, you know, to, usually he has so much to say, so it's really ironic that he's like... How does Michael Myers support himself in the long years between his slashing outbreaks? Like, <laughs> he's just kind of poking at the, the I'm not going to lie, I need to see like Michael Myers with like a day job. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, he like has a job at Starbucks, or like, um, he's like a shipping guy. <laughs> it's that whole meme of like uh, Jason who has nothing to do until it's Friday the thirteenth, and he's just like, "It's right around the corner, you guys." <laughs> or that Friday twelve, yeah, exactly. Sad. Yeah. Maybe um, next month. So yeah, so Halloween H two O, um, fairly mediocre response critically, even though I remember it being a really big deal when it came out. So whatever. Um, H forty, on the other hand, has an IMDb score of six point six out of ten, seventy nine percent, and Roger. Ebert, funny, gave it the same score. Clearly, this isn't Roger Ebert himself, because he has passed, but whoever's running his site also gave it a 2 out of 4. Um, so, pretty similar from Roger Ebert's concern, but from a fan basis, 79% um, on Rotten Tomatoes versus 52% on Rotten Tomatoes, 6.6 .6 versus 5.7. I think it's clear that H40 is the winner of the critical response. Around. Okay, so we have our runner of Winner of round one. Um, now let's get into our good and bad, um, which are also our next two rounds. Yes. Okay. So um, the good, here's where we're going to list things we liked about the movie and the things that worked based on the cast, the crew, and the storyline. Um, uh, the movie with the most good wins round two. So let's talk about it. All right. So... We're starting with. H Do you want to start or like? Yeah, like we. Like, yeah, let's start as with everything we've been doing so far. Starting with H twenty and then going into H forty. Okay. Okay. So, right off the bat, and I think that this is up for debate, but <laughs> I love the cast of H twenty. I. I think that Jamie Lee Curtis is perfect in every Halloween movie. She is literally the thing that makes these She plays work. what she needs to play. She does. At 17, she plays a naive 17-year-old. At uh, 37, whatever it is, in age 20, she plays a perfect, like, drunk mom who is recovering from trauma in a way that's still kind of quirky and fun. And in age 40, she perfectly embodies this, like, old, reclusive, paranoid alcoholic yeah. who is just, like, preparing Sarah Connor style for this <laughs> battle. Very Sarah Connor. I love that you said that. Um, so I just think she is perfect throughout. But the supporting cast, Josh Harnett, Michelle Williams, LL Cool J. This is, like, our fifth LL Cool J movie. It is, and he <laughs> just keeps showing up. But I have to say, you honestly think that that supporting class does a better... Are, are they better celebrities, or are they better in their role? Well, here's the thing, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into this, that I didn't care for Judy Greer in the <gasps> How 
dare you, sir? I think she was miscast. How dare you? And I think there was a lot of times where I felt that the humor in H40 didn't really service the storyline as well as the humor in H20. Oh my god, I can't believe we're doing this, and I'm so happy, because I would say that the cast of H40 is actually better in in who... First of all, you get a lot more of the originals. You get our sheriff back. You get uh, Lori back. You get um, just like this paranoid doctor like it's not dr loomis because he's dead but like his stand-in um i feel like all of these characters are tropes that make sense in this world oh i see wait 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 wait, wait. we are going there uh so for me i feel like there are so many things like the true crime aspect of this, like the podcasters who are just there, they totally fit this time period, okay. and it totally makes sense that they're totally. there, as opposed to H H two O, where it's like there are, there are a lot of jump scares. I feel, and a lot of things where you think people will die, but the only people who really die are our cast of teenagers, of course, and even some of them. I just. I didn't feel satisfied with their arcs. Well, I will say, I mean, we're touching on a lot of parts of these stories. Exactly. Because we're touching on some fundamental differences between the two movies. One is that I'm a, is basically, I, I feel comfortable calling Halloween H2O like a horror comedy. Yeah, I can give that. Yeah, well, so here's the thing. A pop culture tell if it was like trying to be funny or just funny in retrospect because... There are lots of things that I'm like, what is going on here? Like, when the truck hits him, again, we are not getting into bad yet for me, but, like, it's just there are scenes where it feels almost YouTube-ish the way it's shot, and I was like, am I supposed to be laughing, or is this just bad on upon reading? This is so interesting because I found the humor in H40 to completely take away from um, what I thought was a very serious storyline about a woman facing her attacker. And that seemed like the gravitas of that, like them deciding to approach it that way. Hearing jokes like, like the dad making jokes, oh, I got peanut butter on my penis. Like, <laughs> things like that just felt like if, uh, I mean, I should state that the writer of H40 is Danny McBride. Yeah, Danny McBride is a comedian, and yeah. there are so many times where I felt Danny McBride in these characters in a positive way. The little kid is being babysitted. I'm gonna tell you. Are you gonna tell me right, right now? now? He's the that, star of that movie. Yes. He is the star of that movie. <laughs> he he literally he is everything I wanted. He is fantastic. But the humor that I thought throughout the movie, I didn't feel like always matched up. I felt like it took away from the story. Whereas like. H40 is already kind of, like, not taking itself so seriously that LL Cool J kind of fits in that world. And I'm for his whatever silliness because, to me, like, you know what? He's in my bag, but you know what? I'll, I'll say LL Cool J isn't in my bag. His wife is in my yes. bag. Yes. And we will get there. But, but Adam Arkin, I felt like her and him had a great back and forth, being his love interest, the love interest who, like, is like, wait, what's going on? You're the sister and, like, everything. Like, I thought Josh Harnett and Michelle Williams were great as, like, the teenagers who are a little bit hip and a little bit cool. They're not too ignorant. They're not, like, doing pot. They're not, like, having anal sex. None of the crazy stuff from the 80s that gets you killed. They're just in the wrong place at the wrong time, which is where Lori was in the original. So I like that. So I felt that with Josh Harnett 
that Michelle. I loved Michelle Williams. I yes. felt like she was a really good ad. Yeah. And I kind of am sad that we didn't see her die, but also. It's kind of like it made sense. Like they didn't need to over overdo it. Well, I think it was a lovely throwback to the original for her to send two kids down to the neighbor's house so that Absolutely. she can face Michael. Like that was like that's the kind of tipping of the hat that I like. And there was a few times where I felt like H forty was mirroring the storyline of the first one so much that I didn't like it. See, and I felt that H forty at least like it felt more natural. Like to me. And H20, and again, this is, I still want to like just focus on the positive. H2O is, it just didn't make sense for Lori to be a headmistress. You know what I mean? Like, it made so much sense for me that she would be this shut in um, who was like, who had been traumatized. I completely disagree. Oh my god. I, I like find it so really weird <laughs> that Lori Strode would stay in this town that has traumatized her so much. Her escaping and starting a new life makes so, more, so much more sense to me. Her finding a job in which she can keep an eye on her son 24-7 makes so much sense to me that I'm like, okay, I'm here for it. The idea that she's like, I'm going to stay in this town. He's going to come back and I'm going to wait for him. I get it, but to me... The H20 storyline grabs me a little more. See, that's so interesting. And I feel like this is this is really... We have to spend some time up here. Because we need to find who did it better in terms of good. Um, even though well, we will what, eventually... Do you want to break it down by like just specifically like, right, cast so let's, versus let's, cast? Yes, let's go with cast versus cast, which is how we started off. In the cast... Um, Not talking about the characters, but the actors' performances, right? Yeah. Okay, because I, there's, I will say that the, I... L I don't dislike any of the characters in the H40. Mm -hmm. Their characters, there are some issues that I have with with some of them, but I felt like everyone acts really well. Like I thought the kids had a natural uh like chemistry. I think H40 wins automatically cuz it has Julian, which is the little boy. Yes. I feel like I like honestly, it, not only does it have a more cast of characters, so it's for me it's harder to I, I thought about this while I was watching. I was like, oh, you are constantly introducing new storylines. There is that scene with the uh, the man and his son driving. In, in, in like five seconds, we get a backstory. We get motivation. We get like a connection to these two characters. Can I tell you something, though? And obviously, we'll bring it up later. I remember being in the movie and struggling when I was watching this. I was like... Oh, I see what they're doing. They're all the side characters that typically die in horror movies. They're actually fleshing them out a little bit. Yeah, but I couldn't decide if I liked it or not. I liked because it because for me, it felt like I'm getting information about characters that ultimately don't matter. That is true, but I feel like what the movie wants you to do is be invested in their deaths. Because honestly, for me, and this is just for me, while watching H two O, I didn't care that in, the only person you care about dying is LL Cool J and that's because he dies from a different white man and you're like literally can't be anywhere because <laughs> a black man got shot for being black again <laughs> <laughs> so because of that in my opinion with the characters and with the performances as I said the little boy nails it that British dude you hate him, the the podcaster. Yes. You hate him actually the thought, way you're supposed to hate him. I actually thought the girl who was babysitting had a great rapport with she him. She does She so was my well. favorite of, like, um, the teenage cast. cast I actually... Characters. I mean, who's the granddaughter? Uh, yeah, I will say... I will, I will give you that. The granddaughter, forgettable. 
I don't know her name. I jo- really, really considering remember. that Josh Hartnett was introduced in H20, that's his first movie, bro. Yeah. Like, I felt like he was a better... He He's a better child, but if we're talking full cast, I'm going to give it to... Bro, uh, I, I'm going to have to disagree. We're going to have to go okay. 50-50. Right, you know what? You know what? We'll do one of each, <laughs> and each one will go. And this is a split one. But I can't believe what I will tell you this as we, as we kind of stray into like the structure of the film i think that h40 is a better made film in general as far as just like the director the 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 shots that they were doing they do a really great um recreation the first movie starts with this great long shot like it's not cut as he's going through the house and everything and it's one of the most famous shots in the film and it's one of those things that people like try to emulate and then h 40 we get that shot of her go of, of him going through the city in halloween and it's all kind of one long shot and her going from door to door uh, like banging on the doors help me help me the the granddaughter all one long shot and it's just this great um technique that was used by john carpenter and they were i will say exactly that so first of all i just want to say that you've already admitted that this one wins in terms of crew and scene <laughs> it's a better shot movie. it's a way yeah. better shot again i feel like it's way it's so more consistent the uh, clothing and everything, like, I'm thinking about the mass specifically, and it, it's aged the way it's supposed to be. It's brought up when it's supposed the to be. The mask in the H20, not scary. No, not at all. I, I, you know, what's interesting is that I saw both of these movies with my girlfriend. It was her first time watching both of them. Really? So I got to see her reaction as a first-time viewer of both. And I saw how much more fear she had in the sec- in H40 versus H20. So <laughs> that was one thing that I was just like, oh, I should remember this. Um, that this was something that was really drawn to her. Um, the other thing that I want to say about the way the movie was made was that... Um, there was way more like quiet moments. Yeah. Like when when Lori's in the house at uh, with Michael at the end and she's going from room to room and she's looking for him. There were so many of these quiet moments. Um, these nods to the first movie with emphasis on the closet. Even though there was some of that in H twenty two, so I'm not going to give. There all is that. like I did notice there is um, homages in H twenty, but H forty does more than just Halloween. It does. Um, I feel like it does several horror movies in, in terms of its Well, and actually, if you look closely, H, H40 is actually filled with Easter eggs from all the Halloween movies. Well, all the Halloween movies, but also, like, there's the scene where uh, the sheriff, black sh- sheriff, by the way. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to come back to that. But the sheriff is like, what are we going to do? Cancel Halloween? Which felt very Jaws to me. Yes. You know, and I was just like, that felt like a direct homage to Jaws and Cancel Fourth of July. And, you know, of course, we're not going to do that. We can't. It's it's bigger than us. Um, even though we've already seen death and we know that death is imminent. It's yeah. going to happen. Um, and so there's that. I can't take away from H20, though, because if anyone is going to throw in pop culture references, I trust Kevin Williamson. There are so many references to Psycho. There Did Kevin so- Williamson write? He produced it, and then he ghost wrote the H20. So oh, we are going somewhere, but keep going. So the fact that we have these Psycho references, fucking uh, Janet Lee is in H20 and drives the same car from Psycho while the Psycho theme plays in the background. I thought- that was weird. Yeah, love that. Um, she also at uh, when she's telling Josh Hartnett and Michelle Williams to leave, she says, "Go down the street." And she in the original film, she says, "Go down the street to the Mackenzies." That might sound familiar because it's the same Scream. thing in Scream. You think I didn't watch that again this week? <laughs> <laughs> that he says to to Drew Barrymore uh, to Drew Barrymore's mom. 
But because Kevin Williamson wrote that, he goes in H20, he says, go down to, to the street to, um, and I, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name, but it's the name of Drew Barrymore's character in Scream. Ah. So he flipped it. Oh, that's really good. So there, there's I do tons like that. of little Easter eggs like that. I, I, I'm only going to say this. I, I, you've already like given it to H40, so we're going to stick with okay. that. And then additionally, I think it's really important, because let's go into the story. We've done crew, we've done uh, cast, and now with the story. Now, I will give you some debate on this one, but I will say that, as I mentioned, the fact that we are, in, whenever someone is introduced, it almost always makes sense yes. in terms of this story. Um, oh, I, I, if you're talking about age 40, I don't know if that's always Age 40, in my opinion, again, we get, um, we get, in age 40, we get the podcasters, which completely makes sense, this whole rise of true crime love affair that America has Everyone, it's also like the I don't dislike pseudo journalist. I, just I the think commentary. they were so like my, my girlfriend was like, they're so douchey. And I was like, oh, they're podcasters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here we are. We're there, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, us. Um, but no, I, I actually like them. The, there are a few characters that I had major problems with, and we'll get to that in the bad. But I will say that as far as like the story goes, the reason why H20 wins it to, for me, and we can have a debate about this, yes. is that I think. A reboot of Halloween needs to take place after H uh, after Halloween two instead of Halloween one. Ooh, explain yourself. I understand that Halloween one is scary because of the premise that you could just be babysitting, you could just be having a night out in the suburb, and any random person can come and kill you. Like we're in the seventies, there's serial killers everywhere, there's cults, there's crazy shit going on. It's a reflection of the times. Like when you think about like a son of Sam, this guy who walked around New York and just randomly shot people for no reason. Like these are things that are happening in the news. It makes sense. Um, I don't think it makes sense in H40 for Michael to find or track or try to kill Lori if he has no relation to her. If he's just supposed to kill anyone, then anyone on that street on Halloween trick-or-treating should do. Why? Why is he after Lori? Him being having a relation totally makes sense. He killed Judith. He killed his sister. Maybe there's something with his family there. That makes sense to me. I know that John Carpenter didn't intend for this to be canon. He didn't really care about it, and it's something he regretted later. But to me, it doesn't make sense for them to be the uh, antagonist protagonist as is connected as they are for him to have any desire to face her other than that's my sister. I will relent to that. I feel that that particular point is very, it's true because I think they try to explain it with the professor and the podcaster where sure. it's like one created the other, one needs the other. It also makes sense as to why Lori herself is constantly um, following up on him. But it does not make sense that Michael goes after her, specifically. Especially when we see, what I liked about H40 is that he, you see him be that murderer who just kind of murders without care. He is. He literally goes on a murder spree where he goes from house to house to house. And you know what, though? Even though that has its merit, and it's scary, and it's very titillizing for all the reasons of just, like, this crazy violence, that's not the Michael Myers from Halloween. The Michael Myers from Halloween does just that. The Halloween 1. Yes, who babysitter. Two, three people die in Halloween 1. He goes, he kills everybody. He's killing kids. He doesn't give a fuck in H4. And it's scary. I know it's scary, but... 
that's not the same person who killed those kids in 1978. I felt like it was. I felt like, as they said, I even love that he's not like Michael Myers. He's the babysitter killer. You know, it's like, that's like yeah. his reputation. And but if you watch the first one, there's no crazy amounts of violence. He's not breaking people's jaws open. He's not doing any of that shit. It's not about the violence. It's about the stalking and the, he's there and watching and that's present in H20 and not so, like in H20 and even in the original Halloween, he's very like, just this person who sees Lori and just watches her from a distance. This stalker vibe, right? And this, in H40, he's Terminator, bro. He's on a mission to kill. I think, so what's funny to me is in H40, he's not Terminator because they make him human again. And By taking the mask off? Well, not only taking the mask off, which you never see, and I love that it's a world where masks can be removed. It's that, that not that no one's ever seen his face. It's that we don't see his face. And I really love that touch. But also, in H2O, that's when he's like this unstoppable dude who just kind of comes out of nowhere and can appear in places. Whereas in H40, they try to always ground it in he is a human being. I don't know. I got, I got the vibe from H2O. Like, the way he, like tracks down the nurse of Dr. Loomis, gets that info. Like, it makes sense as to how he finds Lori. The fact that he, like, steals a car the same way he does in the original. Like, all of that makes sense. The fact that it's her son's 17th birthday, and that correlates to her 17th year, and Michael finding But her. how did Michael know that she had a kid? From the records for that he found in Dr. Loomis's office. Ugh. Like, wait, wait, wait. Dr. Loomis kept track of her having kids? He had a full file on Lori Strode that okay, was missing. Okay, I guess I missed that part. Yeah, it, like when they were looking through, when the cops came to the woman's house. I am really upset because I think I'm going to have to give you this. It's like, as much as I don't like it, your story has less plot holes in mind. And is. the only reason I take away a little bit from H40 is because... I think that they're telling two different movies. They're telling this, uh, this, this Michael Myers reminds me way more of like Jason and Freddy versus Jason of just like this unstoppable killing machine. Um, but that doesn't seem like it fits with this whole like Me Too era storyline that they're trying to tell of like a woman facing her a soul attacker. And like in the first movie and then H20, it felt like this, this battle between the two of them and so to me that makes sense that if they're gonna have that connection between them he should be like i'm gonna find lori and i'm gonna kill anyone who gets in my way not i'm gonna kill a bunch of people and if i find lori great okay again i said i will reluct and give you the story aspect because yours does have less i think i enjoyed it more and to me the world makes more sense in age 40 because one of my problems one of the problems that i have with um H2O, which we'll get into, is you get more teenagers being teenagers in age 40. You get more, they're in school, they're around people, they're, yeah. it's not like, there's always this thing in horror movies where you're in this world where no one else exists. For, somehow your entire street is empty, and somehow every neighbor went to bed at 6pm. So, in age 40, they they go to school. There are a bunch of people there. They are interacting with each other. Well, I mean, Michelle Williams is in school. Like we have the whole cool <laughs> sequence of them doing homework, them turning in assignments. Like they're in school when they're yeah, twenty. Then it's a bottle. It's a bottle episode too. It's all taking place in one location where no one. They explain perfectly why no one else is at that school. Oh, the entire school went to this big yearly thing. field trip that everyone looks forward to. Josh, in November, says, or October, <laughs> again, like I. 
here, I've already given it to you, so I will not <laughs> give up on this point. I will say that they give it lip service, but... No one goes camping in October. No in one goes camping in October in California. In the beginning of the school year, you don't have a school field trip like that to where everyone's going Everyone, not the entire senior class. I will say everyone. It would have made it a little bit better if they showed a few other students just kind of hanging around. Absolutely, because that would have been a little. I will give you that. That it being completely isolated was a little too much. But I can forgive that compared to some of the things that happened in H. Okay, so, so um, all right. Well, I will say we are not tied because at this point in time, uh, forty is in the lead. So I just want to put that out there. Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah. Okay. let's go to the bad. Um, okay, so let's talk about the bad of these movies. Uh, this is where we're going to tell you what we hated about the movies and the things that did not work with the cast, the crew, or the storyline. So let's let's start with H twenty. We've already talked about this a little bit, but there are some holes here, and there are some major gaps and like things that just like don't fit and don't make sense. I want to start with LL Cool J because as much as I love LL Cool J and I, God damn, I can't believe this is like the fifth movie we've done with him. <laughs> um, it's not intentional. Yeah, we just, just keep popping up. I didn't know he was in BAPS. Like, <laughs> um, he, his relationship with his girlfriend is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's racist. It's so many things. Like, don't get me wrong. I like the idea of him being a, um, a security guard and like having fun and he has a relationship with the kids. Yeah, that I'm on board. Even with. an aspiring writer, cool. But what I don't need is this racist interaction with his girlfriend, who we never see takes completely place over the phone. Um, and the then phone dialogue was useless. Like you could have had a one way a, a one sided phone call conversation. He could be talking about while writing his own book. Like why not? We get that. And <laughs> even like I mean the erotica stuff, I feel like was silly. I remember being in the audience though during that that during its theatrical run and he got laughs dude he was like the balance that like you know how like we talk about and get out how like I was say Rod. Rod. yeah he is Rod. Rod. that's exactly like, who he is and i feel like h40 suffers from trying to have too many rods really you think i think i think each character being funny and charming is not realistic are they I don't know. Like, everyone has, like, jokes that they're throwing out. I feel, first of all, I feel like everyone tries to be funny. That's more realistic. Yeah, all right, yeah. That more people are trying to be funny and take things less seriously. Um, but I didn't, I personally didn't see, I saw two characters as supposed to be the comic relief, which are Oscar, which is the best friend who uh, gets impaled on the, sure. um, you know, fence. I and thought then, he was very forgettable, by the way. I, the actor may be forgettable, but I thought his the tension with him was really. I thought his that point in the story where he dies made sense, and it also was something. Again, it's where usually we very rarely get people who interact with Michael. Michael just sneaks up on yeah. people almost always, um, and even in like H two O. LL Cool J steps out, and it's all like he's behind you, that type of situation. Um, but Oscar actually talks to Michael. He thinks he's someone else, and he's just confessing and stuff, and he's that drunk dude after a party. And the moment he hits on her, you're like, oh, you're one of those. Yeah. Like, everything about his character is real and stupid, and he's just that teenager. And... You care when he dies, but you don't care as much. But you get what I'm saying? Can I, can I say this? Can I, and 
Also, the um, I also just want to point out that the granddaughter comes back. Very rarely do you get people who come back immediately to cries for help, which, again, that's, like, just something that's very rarely done. Well, I, I... <laughs> <laughs> these fucking movies, bro. Um, what was I going to say? I, I Do you feel like in 2018 that maybe her being surrounded by straight, cisgendered white people as her friend group could have been better casted. Oh, yes, but again, I, for on that note, you have a sheriff who is good at his job. He's not good. He is He's good at his job. I'm not canceling Halloween. Everyone dies because of the sheriff. You can't cancel Halloween. All of it falls on the sheriff's feet because he's like, oh, yeah, there's a murder out? Whatever, bro. Halloween. It's not like this is two days before Halloween. This is literally Halloween. It is already... You're just going to go out and tell everyone... I'll tell you this. If this actually happened in my neighborhood and I found out my sheriff knew and let it happen, that's some Flint, Michigan shit. Like, I'm getting him out of office, all right? That's irresponsible. Let me... the the alternative is LL Cool J, the guy who lets the students out when they're not supposed to. Not be. an elected official. Hard <laughs> time working working out of school. That's believable. A hundred percent believable. <laughs> but he is incompetent at his job. As a matter of fact, he's his head isn't even in his job. His head is in being an erotic writer. What I, what I will say that I really dislike about H twenty is I think that. Even though I like Josh Harnett and Michelle Williams, their friends are pointless and forgettable. Thank and you! I could completely do without them. Absolutely. But there are two characters that I feel like, because the cast is so small, the cast in H40 is massive. Oh, fuck. All right. I got to talk about this for a second. Go. You liked the the doctor that Michael's assigned to it. No, in, he's in, in my bed. He's okay, in my bed. Because that twist... Came out of fucking nowhere, bro. Did it, I hated that shit. Did it? So here's the thing. For me, that did not come out of nowhere. I don't like the character, but A, oh my god, I'm so glad that we're getting here. Because for me, H2O, the ending, not only is it cheesy and corny and all this other stuff. As the head said, coming off? Uh, yeah. As you said, hold on, hold on. As you said, this is a movie post-Scream. And I spent the entire time watching this movie. First of all, they show Scream 2 in the movie. Yeah, they do. But in this movie, in this post-Scream world, I'm like, why is this... Like, to me, it made no sense for Michael, quote-unquote, to be there. Why is... To I be where? To be where? To be at the school or whatever. I, wait, 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 wait. Let, get, let me finish. And what it is to say is... The, what I wanted, or how I think this movie would have been better, H2O, is if at the end we find out it is a bunch of fanboys from Michael. Like, he has followers. He Because that makes, like, just the way that they show up out of nowhere, the way that they kind of kill all of these this is, people. This is so interesting because, all right. I got, in, I, wait, wait, wait. In my opinion, if you make it to where Michael, who is this famous person, Everyone's talking about him. There's, like, notoriety, yada, yada, yada. It makes sense that he would have people who are crazy and follow him, and that's how these murders are showing up, uh, and that's bro, how this other stuff. You're getting into, like... You, all right, I got. I have to talk about this, because there's <laughs> some behind-the-scenes stuff that you're t- touching on that needs to be addressed. Okay, so, go. one of which is the fact that there is a cult of Michael Myers that exists in, like, Halloween 5 and 6. Like, that's what that shit's all about, and it's crazy, and there's, like... 
a man in black devil character involved. It gets really nuts. Paul Rudd is in it. It's wild. Um, the original script for Halloween H uh, 20 was called Halloween 7, The Return of Laurie Strode. This movie was supposed to be a continuality of all the Halloween films. Kevin Williamson was able to, in his script, and I believe they even shot it, have a scene that title like brings everything together and explains how all the films are related and then finally they were like you know what this is messy we're, we're gonna cut it out but it was filmed but before kevin williamson got involved there was another writer who had this idea about like what if michael meyer had this cult following and Thank that you. was in the script for a while but again like to I, me I, that the, so the relationship more. between the brother and sister thing like to me that ties it for me yeah. so i know i get what you're saying with that but i'm talking just in terms of as an audience member watching these killings watching the the harassment of all the you know it just would make sense i said i watched this movie and i was like if you were at the very end of this to tell me also michael's kind of sloppy with his um stalking in the h2o in my opinion really i just thought that he was kind of sloppy i'm not saying that it was it just i was like I, it could be a little bit tighter but uh, there, again there i thought it was very similar to halloween scene, one well that scene in the door where like they just shut it and he's just like standing there. i love that scene oh bro. my god we are looking at two different things i that feel like final like there to eye to eye for the first time in 20 years i love but it. it was played it wasn't I think that's for me where I was like, it seems silly. It doesn't seem menacing. Whereas in H40, they at least acknowledge that someone like him got out with help. Because the moment, the the moment the bus is um, derailed and we see that the doctor's still alive, I'm like, the doctor had something to do with this. Okay, so... You don't kill... Ev you don't kill the people who are in charge of watching you and leave your doctor alive for no reason. So here's here's the thing about this, because this doesn't make sense, because as soon as Michael gets a chance to kill the doctor, he does. So I don't see why he left him alive to begin with. Here's some be other behind the scenes <laughs> stuff that we should know. I felt that the twist felt really out of nowhere, and a lot of the internet did as well. And as I researched, I found out that originally... The reason the bus crashes is because Lori, who is waiting and watching as Michael boards the bus, follows the bus and tries to attack Michael to kill him. The bus crashes. There's a scene that happens where Michael gets away. And the reason why they cut it is because by doing so, Lori is indirectly responsible for all the deaths that happened in the film. So they went back and they changed it so that the doctor was the one who let him out. I understand why they did all of that, but it was a last-minute decision. And to me, while I was watching it, it felt like a last-minute decision. I disagree. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, look, this is, see, look, this is supposed to be sequel SmackDown, but I feel like this is just TC person siege. Because I'm like, <laughs> what? I really thought it was so funny because I texted you earlier and I was like, I think I know which Halloween movie you liked best. And I thought it was going to be the opposite. I thought no. I was going to be arguing for H4. But because H20 is so Scream-esque, but, but yeah, that, here's the thing. It's Scream-esque without the Scream payoff. And at least H40 to me, they lay all the pieces. And I feel that, again, we are still just talking about the, the cast or whatever. I did not like the Doctor, but the Doctor was that crazy zealous uh, zealot that you would expect him to be. Again, the podcasters were exactly who they needed to be. Um, but when you, to me, don't think that Josh Hard Harnett, Harshnet or whatever. Josh Harnett, yeah. Yeah, Josh Harnett. His behavior does not make sense to me. He, you you know that your mother 
is the way that she is. She's as paranoid as she is. She is cares as much as she oh, does. I, I can follow both Josh Harnett and Judy Greer in the sense that, like, they've been told their entire lives about a thing that they've never... It, like, it's not happened. It's been 20 years. It's been 30 years. It's been 40 years. Like, I get that. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the sense of his behavior of my mother let me go on this trip that she wasn't going to let me go on, and now that I don't want to go, I'm not going to tell her. It's like, that oh, is completely... I get that. Irrelevant. It's his first time. It's his birthday. Like, it's his first time he's got any freedom, and he's like, <laughs> no, I'm going to bang my girlfriend. Like, I 100% I that. think, again, this is just... It's because he doesn't you. acknowledge that Michael's ever coming back. He doesn't think it's a possibility. Again, I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying on a terms of a child. Like, it makes sense to me that both... Um, I think it's Hannah... Or whatever yeah, yeah. Judy Greer's uh, name is, and Harshnet, that they both are like, this has never happened, you're paranoid, all of that makes sense. But, again, I feel that at least if you grew up that way, it makes sense that Lori taught her child how to survive, and if you are that paranoid, you would be someone who's like... Hey, you know what? I want to make sure that my child knows how to defend themselves. Josh Arnett is literally just defenseless, and he spends most of the movie just running around while everyone else does. I'll say this, because I feel like in Halloween H2O, Lori feels like she is not capable of taking on Michael again. She is constantly afraid of seeing him. She's constantly afraid of him returning and something happening to her son. Her life is full of fear. And then that moment where she's she's driving out and she's like, I'm going to get away. She has that revelation of just like, if I leave, I'm never going to be free. If I leave, I'm going to be filled with fear that this guy is going to come back for the rest of my life. I have to face him. That character arc for me is more meaningful than I know he's coming and I'm ready. Yeah. So, like, honestly, like, that's a, a pow- more powerful story arc for me. And also, I'm not a fan of booby traps. I'm not a fan of, like, this is, because this is, like, this is Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, we've seen booby traps. Like, we've seen this shit before. And I, to me, I'm not a fan of I have a question for it. you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. If someone had, someone tried to kill you, and you were aware of that, and you were aware that this person was trying to kill you, um, a long time ago, you nearly escaped, and at any moment, they could come back. Which is more realistic? That you would just try to deal with it at some point in time, or that your house would have s- contraptions? Maybe not to this extent, but like a safe room. You know what? I was, I was really on board with like how she was checking Judy, Gre- Judy Greer's security system. Where yep. is your gun? All of that sh- shit I was on board with. It was the Act 3 when they're in the house. And by the way, I don't know if you know this. It's like a complete recreation of the house from the first film. Like, she studied, and, like, everything in the house, she knows every inch of it, because she's been studying it and replaying the night over and over again, uh, recording the backstory okay. um, by the director, which I think is beautiful. Like, yeah. I, I think that makes sense. Absolutely. I think these are... Laurie Strode atta- uh, uh, um, approaching the situation in two different ways. Yeah. One of which was filled with fear, and one was filled with, I'm going to be ready when he comes back. Exactly. And I think the way you relate to her approach is how you appreciate each of the And maybe that's why we're at where we're at, because right now, to me, H40, just, it makes more sense in terms of, I was traumatized, I won't, I have a kid now, and I can't just let this kid be in this world, and if anything, not to say that she did this, but I feel like, once you have a kid, once you have a daughter nonetheless, it's like, no, I will not let this happen again, she will never be the victim that I was, whereas with Josh Harnett, it's just her 
being this helpless woman who's just like until she she's not well, but she can't she control can't her anymore. son is what I'm saying she can't her life's a mess because of the trauma she's been uh, through okay and uh, see and I think that's as you said it's how you relate to women I feel that age 40 no I saw it at the end I was like you have three generations of women that, no I did like but you know what that's the other thing about H40 that I'll tell you really took it out for me is that I wanted more of that. I wanted more of this relationship between her and her daughter and her granddaughter. I wanted it because it seemed like that was like a third of the story and the third of it was like these teenagers and the third of it was Michael. I could have done without the teenage stuff, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. I wrote in my bad that the boyfriend storyline makes no... He, he, he never follow up with it. He's only there... He lives. He is only there to get rid of the phone. Yeah. I was like, his entire role was to make it to where she did not have her phone he could be replaced with a dead battery 100 <laughs> percent. and that's and that's kind of like i wish they would have leaned in more to this like sisterhood and how like if we as women unite we can get rid of this but man. it's supposed to be that twist because um what did i when say? judy Greer like says gotcha yeah yeah well first of all that that is a very big misdirect you honestly when she's like i can't mom again you think that she's just like josh hardnett and she's just like i never saw this coming i don't know what to do and you expect her to be that person but then when she's like gotcha you're like yes this makes way more sense that you a child raised by this person who we've been seeing talk about this person the entire time is like actually no i've been prepared for this i do like the even idea. if i didn't love it even, like, if we're talking about, like, this, like, mirroring between the Me Too era, the idea that when the Day of Reckoning comes, the woman who has been traumatized by the event is so much more prepared for the encounter than the man who did it and probably doesn't think of it as that big of a deal. Like, that I understand and I, I enjoy. I just wish... I got rid of all of the mess in this movie. Like, I feel like there's a lot that you can just cut out and it would be a cleaner story. The way that first Halloween is so clean. It's girls babysitting and then a guy comes. Like, there's not this big story. People are out of school. There's a field trip. Few people stay behind. A guy comes. Like, so you just like the simplicity of well, the story. Well, that's what I think Halloween is... Like, the beauty of it is that the simplicity... Like, the first Halloween... The reason why I think it stands the test of time is that there isn't a lot of explanation to Michael's backstory. There isn't a lot of explanation as to why he's doing what he's doing. It's just a man who is who has just shown up and has just decided to ruin the lives of other people. And I just thought that was really captivating in its simplicity. I feel like 2018 it's has a lot of great ideas, but when you kind of list them all out, I don't feel like I feel like it's too much. See, and I feel like I feel like we got snippets that we were supposed to get. And I feel like, I will agree that we may be have too many characters, but all we do is each time, as you said, each time we meet a character, we meet someone who we know may not make it, and they give depth to to their death. One other thing I want to say is that I um, I hate the husband character, Judy Greer's husband, um, in this in age forty. Um, I him at I. Like, I like the idea of him being like, oh, I'm the man, I can protect my family, and then that biting him in the ass. But other than that, I don't think he adds anything to the story. I feel like... Oh, and her boyfriend in H... Uh, 2-0 does. What? There's even a line, where there's even a line where, like, there's that scene where they are making out, and she's like, they're, they're making out, and they're about to have sex, and she's like, 
um, this isn't my real name. I'm like, now's the time? And, like, it's so, it's seen as, like, some kind of foreplay. It's Halloween it night, dude. it makes sense. The entire day, she is on edge, and he doesn't understand why his girlfriend's acting weird. And he thinks this is, <laughs> they're going to have the sexy night, and he thinks, whatever, I'm going to yeah, go and hit it. Then. And then she springs the shit on him, and then once he realizes what happens, he's like, holy shit. Yeah, no, he's not. He's like, okay, but they still continue. There's no, like, pause. There's no realistic, like, yeah, oh, she's, she's, just give me, let's give me a moment and let's think about what you actually said and let's really deal with the weight of what just well, happened. He does. He's like, he's, she's like, um, yeah, his, her sister died apparently. She's like, no, her sister, his sister lived and is now, you know, blah, blah, blah. And his face drops and she's like, do you want to drink now? And he's like, yes. And of course they don't have that conversation on camera, but they, allude to it as they cut I'm, I'm sorry you're not I don't know how me. we can score this <laughs> I don't know how we can score this because I feel like when it comes to the bad of the of the cast I feel like I feel like H40's bad the cast is worse than H20's and I feel like there's I feel like there's more people but I don't feel like it's worst um I'm with you it's just I don't know how to because alright let's let's even alright let's go back to what won us in the last round movie in terms of the crew who does a better job? Or who does a worse job in terms of crew? We're talking editing. We're talking soundtrack. We're talking... Well, no, I mean, like... Here's the thing, like... Uh, be honest. Be honest. Are we talking... <laughs> no, because, I mean, obviously, like, I gave 40 the thing. But, I again, there were things about 40 that I won't give it all the things for. Like, I, I feel like a lot of the violence in 40 was unneeded. I don't think that Michael Myers is traditionally a very violent person. This Michael Myers felt more like Jason Voorhees to me. And the violence that was committed, there was times where my girlfriend was like, ill. Like, that's not even yeah, scary. No, it's kind of grossed out. And whereas I never felt that in Halloween 1 or H20. So H20 is, a, as we said, it's a different genre. It is, it is the... 2000s version of a horror movie and that's how they do horror if you're going to do a 2018 version this is what you're going to get so i don't feel like the gore factor should be penalized just for the sake of the grading i'll say this cast for me was worse than h40 the production of it i'll say i'll give h20 that is it was being worse but as far as overall story i'm still saying that h40 is it gets the worst for me okay um I disagree. Well, uh, but but yeah, it's like it's really hard because these are like we're absolutely inverse, and I I can't think of a tiebreaker. Do you just want to call it a tie? I guess we'll have to call this this a tie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I mean that still puts forty up. So I'm not. I won. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I will say that all of those uh, the things that I said, um, I did write in my bad. Um, it's kind of bad because of how it's used, but also it's kind of funny. Uh, no capes. Like, like, um, when Oscar dies on the fence, it's because his cape gets caught. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, it's one of the rules that we're constantly taught. No capes. No capes. Um, I will say this. I know that this probably doesn't factor into any of our grading, and I've, I've mentioned it before. I will watch Halloween H2O every October. Really? I, if I don't see H40 again for a few years, I'm good. 
See, and I would watch H40 again and again. But we, this isn't about us. This is about my numbers. All right. All right. So let, let's take it to the lobby. The lobby is our new intermission segment. I mean, it's been a long intermission. Um, but our new intermission segment where we talk about movie trivia, movie impact, and our personal highs and lows from the film, just like the best and the worst. Uh, it also includes our next two rounds. So on movie trivia, um, Halloween H2O, uh, since you are such a fan, I'll let you read that one. Yes. Okay. So J- Jamie Lee Curtis considers uh, Halloween H2O a thank you note to her fans and also like a thank you note to this franchise that gave her a career. Um, she was being casted in like Love Boat episodes, not getting any lines, not getting any roles. Her She completely overshadowed by her parents, Jan- uh, Janet Lee and Tony Curtis, who were like the Brad and Angelina of the 50s, like of their time. Like she was just this like, uh, people thought of her as like a vanity thing. Like, uh, oh, oh, I'm not going to cast, you know, Jay-Z's kid in the movie just because yeah. it's Jay-Z's kid. So she decided to do this film um, as a uh, tribute to that. Um, as we mentioned, there are several scenes with Janet Lee, who plays uh, the secretary in the film. Yeah. It's actually her mother in real life. And she, of course, is the star of Psycho from the notorious shower scene. Um, she is uh, shown to have the same car and the same license plate as the one that was seen in Psycho, as well as the theme music plays briefly when she drives off um, as, a, as a nod to it. Um, and also the original title, as we mentioned, Halloween 7 Revenge of Laurie Strode, um, before it was rewritten to exclude the sequels. And some H40 um, trivia. Jake Gyllenhaal, who is a family friend of Jamie Lee Curtis, is actually the one who convinced her to do this film, which is very interesting. Um, all, like, how he's a family friend in general, but you never really think of, like, Jake Gyllenhaal. Apparently being... he's, he considers her, her, like, the godson. Yeah, like, yeah, like her godson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, what I also want to say, too, too, is that um, Jamie Lee Curtis agreed to come back j- because of this, but also because uh, John Carpenter was going to be involved again. Which I mean, yeah, and he produced again. the film and also provided the music, which I know we didn't really touch on, but the music in H40 is, is stellar. I, any The music in all, all of John Carpenter's music is amazing. It already won that round. So yeah, I'm so. Here to that. <laughs> um, and then many Hollywood It Girls auditioned for the role of Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter. However, the filmmakers wanted to go with an unknown actress, um, which I will say, as we said, we kind of forget about the granddaughter. In all actuality, I, like... If it wasn't for doing the interation thing, she doesn't really. I'll tell you this: the if they make a sequel where it follows her, I am uninterested. Like I truly just was not captivated by her performance. I the reason why they chose to go with an unknown was because Jamie Lee was an unknown, yeah, essentially, exactly. and they wanted to pass down that tradition. But I don't feel like the actress they casted was was captivating. Yeah, I mean, I who knows? Maybe if it was like a Lucy Hale or an Emma Roberts. Both of them like, audition, that movie. But, yeah. I mean, Emma Roberts we got from Scream 4. Which Scream 4 is another episode altogether. See, that bro. is, and that we will have to come we'll back. We'll have to come back to that. <laughs> um, and then Michael Myers, or The Shape, as he's referred to in the credits, is played by the original actor, Nick Castle, um, who... Uh, I have to admit, I even like the idea that he was referred to as the shape. I I love this idea that he is supposed to be the boogeyman. Like, the, the idea that the boogeyman is not this mythical or fantasy creature. It's an actual human being who is just inspired to do evil. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's get to our next segment. All right, so let's talk about the deep impact. Uh, what's the legacy of the movie, and how does it compare to its initial release? Um, the movie with the deeper impact to the franchise wins round four. Okay, so which one has... I guess it's kind of like not fair, because H2O has been around longer, and H40 is was released last year. What I will say, though, and I I think we might be at a standstill again with this, maybe not, but I feel that each Halloween, Halloween 1, 20, and 40, was a perfect representation of what horror movies were at the time. I agree. So, where in the first one, where you have these kind of just like slasher movies where, um, you know, these nameless teenagers were dying... Halloween originated that whole premise, and it was a better version of all the copies that came after it. Halloween H20, you're in the Scream era, and you're into self-referential, and like not taking yourself too seriously, and, and all those little comedic one-liners. In H40, you're like, hey, we're going to do all that, but we're, we have to be woke. We have to include some kind of social commentary, because that's the era that we live in. Um, and, this, and the fact that Bloomhouse made this is even more of a, of course, they're going to be a little bit more... Um, socially aware with their storytelling. So I, I don't know that as far as impact, one outshines the other because I think each does its role perfectly. And see, I'm actually going to give you this one in terms of impact because it's the impact that it made on the franchise. And even though I know that, um, as you said, H40 has only been out but so long, H20 has had been around longer, still H20 does... Like, H40 references H20 in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And I feel that if you're, like, if it had referenced Resurrection or uh, Halloween sure. 5 in as many times as it did 20, then I would be like, all right, well, then in, it could have been any of these. But there are specific scenes, there, there are specific notes from H20 that they clearly were like, we like what was done here. Yeah, and, like, there was things that I saw in H40 that felt like they were referencing H20, but also seemed kind of lazy. Like, uh, like the... I will the, not agree to that. Oh, Continue. really? Like, the closet imagery? Like, I feel like like H20 did that. You know what I mean? And to see it again in H40, I was like, how many times are we going to come back to this closet? The other thing I want to say, and though it makes sense, like, I've seen alcoholic Lori, Lori Strode. Why, are, why not give her a pill addiction? Why not give her something else to where it's not so mimicking of the, the previous... Yeah, but like iteration. in the first, like, or at least in H2O, she's seen as like, it's just like, she's an alcoholic, but like in the way that we were dealing with alcoholism in the 90s, which is like, it's just a thing you say and you move past. Whereas in H40, you literally are seeing her be this addictive personality. And this person but who's kind of lost I don't necessarily her. know that that wouldn't have been Lori's trajectory anyway from H20. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm just saying that the way we deal with alcoholism yeah. is a different version than how we deal with it in age 40. Uh, again, times. you already want it. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, now we're on to the concession stand. So all of the things we liked about the film are going to be our sweet treats. All the things we dislike, stale popcorn, a.k.a. garbage. Absolutely. Um, so I will say some sweet treats. I really, really enjoyed... Um, like in H2O, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I was right. like, oh, wow, this is yeah. like, like that I was, that was fun. just didn't expect to see him. And I also like that we, uh, a nice sweet surprise that's not really um, 
a positive thing is we see Michael kill literally the youngest person he's killed so far in the franchise. Which, that is what gave me that Terminator vibe of just like, oh, he don't give a fuck. But it's weird that he walked past the baby and didn't do shit. Well, no, so here's the thing. I think him killing the baby, sorry, him killing the young boy is actually what makes that scene with the baby so intense. Oh, of course. Because if he didn't kill the young boy, everyone would be like, oh, it's like Superman or Batman lore. It's like, oh, they have a line. It's not going to happen. We're okay. He's not going to do anything with his baby. But... The moment he kills that kid, you're like, oh, anyone's up for good. Can I just tell you something? I thought the baby thing was a cheap trick because I knew they weren't going to kill the baby. And part of me was like, just, I mean, you've already crossed the line. Just do it. But <laughs> I, he walks away from the baby for no reason. Like, it would have been better if, like, someone was in the next room and said, Mom, are you okay? Or something like that to where he got distracted. But he's just doing that. And he just sees the door open. He just walks out. I, just, I don't understand how you and I can have these conversations. Because even when I give you credit, you pick at I'm it. Sorry, and I'm, I'm sorry. like, what? What are you talking about? All right, so like, <laughs> sweet treats. I'll say this: I feel like some of my favorite performances in the first one were from um, uh, Michelle Williams. Yes, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis wins all the awards hands Always. down. So we're gonna yeah. skip that. Um, and I really like LL Cool J. In the H forty, uh, some of my favorite performances are obviously the kid being babysit. I forget his name. I'm sorry, Julian. I think is his yes. Name. He that that little boy is he's again. Definitely one of my sweet treats. And he's hilarious, he's relatable, he makes sense in this world. And his babysitter, I wish she was Lori's granddaughter. I felt like I liked her so much more than I liked Lori. I felt like her rapport with... Why not make her granddaughter a babysitter? Like, why not have it be this thing that's passed, like... Like, he's circling, like, the circle of life of her babysitting and having something happen. Maybe it would have been too on the nose? Maybe, but I don't know. Like, to me, like... I just appreciated that, and I was, like, really sad when she died, but when I thought about Lori's granddaughter dying, I didn't really give a shit, so. I will agree with that. Um, but, so, I'll, I'll say that Lori's granddaughter is stale popcorn for me, and also Michael's mask in the first one, in H20, is stale popcorn for me. Two that we've already kind of mentioned, and I would just, I was not really a fan of, I did not like, I don't like gore. So I will say that for me, stale popcorn in age forty was like just the, the amount violence. of gore. Yeah. I'm not a gore fan, but I also think that that's a reflection of like movies. Now, if you told me that I was watching a Friday the Thirteenth movie, I would expect that because being a horror person, I understand that Jason is traditionally the most violent of all of the guys. But I think you're competing in a world now where Saw exists, and yeah. you know all of these things. Like usually, I don't know. I guess I don't watch. I them, guess but. I'm. I'm struggling with the idea of like a 20 something year old Michael Myers being less violent than a 66 year old Michael Myers. And for me, that makes complete sense. Really? You've okay. spent all this time literally just waiting and angry. I guess and- I've seen in my like actual lifetime, the most violence that I've seen done have been from 20 something white men. I mean, really? And, and in America, Halliburton? Cheney? I mean, like, I'm just saying, I guess, <laughs> old white men are way more dangerous. I guess so, I guess so. I, but I guess, like, as far as violent outbursts, that seems like a young man's sport. So, uh, that's, that's, that's... He's keeping it tight! <laughs> Stale popcorn for me that I have to throw in is the reaction of the other Asylum members when the mask gets pulled out. What is this monkey howling yes. that happens when okay. Michael doesn't even see the mask? Apparently he senses it. And the podcast guy is being really dramatic with his monologuing and everyone else is losing their shit and I'm like, 
This makes zero fucking sense. I will say that the hooting and hollering doesn't make sense, but what's really funny to me is the idea of um, the podcaster, again, just being that guy who's like, we have to do it! Say something! And it's, to me, that makes sense for his character because he's all about the theater. Something that uh, my boyfriend pointed out when we were watching it is when they go to Lori's house, it, he's first of all, he's just like, um, excuse me, I don't pay for it. Real journalists don't pay for interviews. Yeah. You're like, you're not a real journalist. Calm down. Sure. And and then later on, my boyfriend was like, why would they even ask her? Because he's like, oh, I think we would really get a reaction if he saw you again. It's like, this woman was a victim and traumatized. Dude, and that's you, the press. You don't care at all. That's the press. But I know, and I like that this movie comments on it, but it's just bullshit. All right. All right, guys. Well, we've had a lot of fun chit-chatting. Uh, before we move on, I just want to quickly remind you guys, uh, you guys can follow us. Subscribe to our podcast, tell your friends to subscribe, and please submit your own film so that we can have more conversations like this about the movies that you love so you can get infuriated as we tear them apart. Um, remember that we're on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and under movie underscore makeover on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So please, guys, reach out to us, follow us, tell your friends about us. You can also email us at moviemakeoverpod at gmail.com. Now, to the finale! So we're going to give an award for the best makeover. Uh, Siege, who does this go to? All right, so after the last four rounds that we've had, our good, our bad, our deep impact, and our critics' choice, um, we have a tie. <laughs> you know what, bro? Honestly, like, as we've talked about this discussion, like, I thought we were going to come in and... I absolutely thought we were going to be like, oh, yeah, this is clearly the better one. Yeah. I I have to say that, like, we both brought up points to where I think both of these movies, like, are... I don't know. Both of these movies are, are good. I feel like, you know, they both succeed... With what they were trying to do. With what they were trying to do. And I also feel like, as much as, like, I think... I have a preference and you have a preference and it's not what we thought, but it's interesting because um, it depends on what you go into these movies with. And I, I mean? and I and I have to say that like I can't watch H twenty with brand new eyes the way that you can. Like there's always gonna be nostalgia. I've watched this movie every October since nineteen ninety seven or whatever it is, ninety eight. So like it's 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 a part of the zeitgeist for me in a way that I can't separate myself from. Exactly. And I think honestly, if we're even gonna talk about it, I think that H forty does a better job in the terms of references and meta commentary that you know I love from Scream than H2O does. Because I just, I only, I feel that the homages that they pay, the number of homages, the number of dialogues, the number of scenes are way more than in H2O. And I will say that if you want a movie like H2O, which is like original and they're trying to do their own thing, but it's way more campy, as 40 is the type that I respond to. So as I said, it's more of like what you go in to it with. Sure, absolutely. We've come to no conclusion. Sorry! <laughs> yep, fuck you guys. Okay, uh, so right before we end uh, everything we were doing, I want to talk about our recast. 
Um, and basically, this is just where I want to examine the different movies, the stars of the movies, and see what you would put them in now. Like, what's something that you haven't seen from these characters? And let's just do, like, the top three build characters from each okay. one and see something that you think that they would do. Give me another horror movie or horror genre you think they would do good in. So let's start with our queen, Jamie Lee. What's something that she hasn't done yet? Dude, what hasn't she done yet? Right? She's the scream queen. She is. One but... thing I would love is I would love to see a movie in which Jamie Lee Curtis is a serial killer. Like, take this woman who has been notoriously the final girl since she started her career and make her the one who is the the threatening one for once. Like, make her this, like, ma-type character of being, like, she's this old woman, but, like, maybe she's just scary as shit. Like, I feel like her acting is so superb that I would love to see her be the one who is scary versus being scared. She's actually plays that role in the Scream Queens TV oh, does show she? Okay, okay. by Ryan Murphy. Yeah, you get a little bit of that, and she's put as the antagonist, even though she's, uh, spoiler, uh, I don't, yeah, she's not the, the killer and the villain, so, yeah, yeah. um, but yeah, I, all right, like, I like that, um, how about Josh Harnett? Josh, well, do you have anything for, that you would like to see Jamie? For, to see Jamie Lee Curtis in? I feel like we could get, I just, I love a good social thriller, you know how I am with that, mm -hmm. and I would love to see her do, like, a modern take of, like, a, um, what is the one I'm thinking of? Stepford Wives or something like okay. that. I think that she just, she can do really well in terms of, ooh, or like maybe like a Misery update. Misery update. I would also like, I feel like, I mean, separate from American Horror Story, but just like an asylum thing, like maybe she gets put into a place where there's there's a lot of mistreatment going on and like scary, scary creepy experiments are happening, something like that, dated, I don't know. I mean, you're right. In any role she's in, she's going to bring the weight of who she is, and I just really would like to see her um, leave the Halloween franchise and do go back to being the screen queen. I think that Josh Harnett has a lot of room to do some of the films that like Ethan Hawke has been doing recently. Like, like, like if you if the Purge was starring Josh Harnett, like I feel like that would still work. If some of these other like low budget like Bloomhouse, see, I was thinking he would do a good Insidious. Oh yeah, or, yeah, or something like all that. that shit. Like all those like straight white men like <laughs> that are in these roles like i feel like he could do that in a way that would pay homage to his beginnings in the same way that jamie lee has done um and i don't know who you want to do for the third of h20 i'm doing ll cool j and i want to see him in another horror movie asap <laughs> so i'm gonna pick for my third michelle williams and i feel like she also could do like a nicole kidman the others you know what i mean like i feel like she has that star power sure and she sure, has sure. the acting chops to pull off something like that something in maybe a uh jordan peele in my in my fantasy michelle williams is pushed to the fucking limit much in the same way that heath ledger was and i want to see her crazy i want to see michelle williams like psychopathic crazy in a way that I feel like she would be able to add so much nuance and layers to because she's such an accomplished actress um, that in the same way he kind of like completely turned Joker upside down, I think that she would be able to do that for, um, you know, like a Charlize Theron on a monster kind of thing, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I, like, I just feel like if we're going to do it, I want to see 
her be an actress. Yes. You know what I mean? All right. So now let's do um, the other two because we still have Jamie Lee Curtis. But how would you recast um, Judy Greer? I don't think Judy Greer belongs in horror. I didn't like her at age 40. Uh, I felt like, to me, she always comes off as a comedic actress because maybe her voice, the way she talks, I don't know what it is, but she always, to me, is, uh, you know... uh, uh, the first movie I ever saw her in was Mel Gibson's What Women Want. Oh, God. Which, by the that way... That is a horror movie. We need to do that movie, because Mel Gibson knowing What Women Want? Please. I, I can't... I, like, we can do... Like, we should just do, like, a list of problematic Because <laughs> What Women Want and Shallow How, basically, oh my God. anything from that time period yeah. could just be... But to me, she's always just been this comedic sidekick, and I like the idea of her being um, outside of the sidekick role and her getting more of a lead, but... To me, she's more of a comedic actress, and I have a hard time seeing her in horror. You can't see her in any horror film. I mean, she was in this one, and the entire time I was just like, I wish that we had a Sarah Paulson. I wish that we had Mm. someone who... Okay, who would you put in her place in that movie? That's a good thought experiment. Like, if you could recast Judy Greer's role, who would it be? And I hate to attach American Horror Story so much. And I don't even watch it. But I will tell you this, that I think Sarah Paulson would do a fantastic job. I feel like she's too big. Oh, too big? I feel like she's too big of a presence to be seen as Lori's daughter. But that's the thing. I feel like someone who is Laurie Strode's daughter would have a great presence. Like, she would be commanding in, in a way. And, like, I could, I, almost, I, could almost, I could even see, like, Jennifer Lawrence doing this. I can see Jennifer Lawrence doing this. Like, she's of the age and of the... No, sorry, I take that back. Not Jennifer Lawrence. My mind made a mistake and thought Jennifer Love Hewitt, and I think Jennifer Love Hewitt could have done it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's completely different. Um, and I don't know who's the third build. And um, the, the granddaughter. Um, if they made, like, a Happy Death Day 4... <laughs> Direct to video release. You're, you're not giving her any credit. No, nah, dude, she didn't earn it. She didn't earn it. She I, had a chance. That little boy had like six lines and stole the show. Who do you think would have been a better uh, cast for that role? For the granddaughter? Mm-hmm. Ooh. I would have been fine with Haley Steinfeld in this role. Okay, really? Yeah. Okay. I saw her in True Grit and I thought she was a phenomenal actress. And even though she's been doing so much more commercial stuff recently, I feel like um, what I saw from her in like that Coen Brother movie or whatever it was, like was incredible. So um, You know what I could do? I could do like a Dakota or an L. A fanning? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. I can, I can have a fanning in this role. Yeah, I could fan for that. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we end, uh, let's do our new segment calling The Pitch. Um, the pitch is Twitter is opening up a major movie studio and ask you to remake the movie of your choosing, but all submissions have to be in 140 characters or less. What is your pitch? Okay. So my remake, my Twitter pitch for a remake of Halloween is the biggest Halloween street party of the year is about to get a surprise guest, Michael Myers. The reason why I chose that is I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Trick or Treat No I haven't Okay it's one of my favorites But it's all these vignettes about things that happen on Halloween night And one of them is this giant street party And this like murder takes place And because it's Halloween People see a dead body and they don't 
understand they think it's decorations they think it's this is a person in costume and i i think that's fascinating if i were at halloween horror nights and an actual murder were to start happening i wouldn't be able to know the difference and to me that's really creepy and a, com a completely different take than the laurie strode storyline but just something that i think is really fascinating as an idea i love that idea i love i honestly i love things like this where I, i'm just always a fan of um horror or terror or danger out in the open. Yeah. I think that that is, so like, uh, it's one of the things that made Midsommar really creepy is that... Like, I've not seen it yet. All right, I'm not going to tell you anything other than the entire movie happens in daylight. Yeah. And that is, there's something about being, being out in the open or just help being so close and yet being so far away. Yeah. That is really, really creepy and traumatizing. So I'm really a fan of that approach. All right, so this has been our episode of Movie Makeover. Um, as I mentioned before, you can find us on all the places, and you can find me specifically on Instagram at .braver.me. Um, Siege, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-C-R-A-C-E-E-J on Twitter. Um, happy Halloween, guys. Yeah, happy Halloween. Happy Thank you guys Halloween. for doing this yes. whole movie month with us, doing this uh, Halloween movie. Yeah, month. just the horror movies, nonstop. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a few that we can't wait a whole another year to do, because <laughs> I want to talk about Scream 4 with you more than anything right now. Um, Maybe that'll be our next Halloween showdown, because I think... I, I, like, I'll let you choose between 2 and 4, because um, we can all agree that 3 is just the worst, right? Or do you think 3 is in the running? I think... They should never have made a sequel to Scream. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but as always, I'm TC. And I'm Siege. Makeover and out. I got peanut butter on my dick. God, I knew you were going to use that one. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs>